0: If I if I had to sum it up, what I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is a curated Wikipedia-style endeavor.
1: Uh, ah. No, we we don't like we don't like that analogy.
2: And Jesus himself said that he did not come to do away with the law.
1: Take us out of this world.
3: This is the Adventist Pilgrimage Podcast with your hosts, Michael Campbell and Greg Howell. Hey
0: everybody, welcome to the Adventist Pilgrimage Podcast. I want to say thank you to all of our listeners out there. Who have been following along with us these last few episodes. Uh, we're we're just chugging along here in a lot of different areas, and you'll see us kind of pop up um, in multiple locations lately. Uh, Michael's been traveling all over the place, doing some great stuff down there in Aurora, which I honestly wish I could have been a part of, but I'm uh, jumping back in here with everything, and today we've got a...
3: kind to make sure you're there for next time. I know. Great. Plan
0: it, plan it out so it fits around my high school schedule, you know, right? <laughs> Yeah, and and get David and Dragoslava out there, too. I think we could. We could totally make some more connections. You guys had some fantastic stuff you found down there. So today uh, we are interviewing and talking with and just chit-chatting with a a couple who have been working really strong in a lot of this uh, Adventist history area, especially in terms of the encyclopedia. So, Michael, would you mind introducing a little bit and just letting everybody know who we're talking with today?
3: Absolutely, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, two people I consider friends. But uh, let me tell you uh, who they are. First is uh, David Trim. He's the director of the Archive Statistics and Research at the General Conference of Seventh Day Adventists, and uh, he comes uh, very well qualified with a, a background in academia and early modern studies. And he's been a professor, uh, in addition to his role uh, leading at the General Conference. Um, archive statistics and research. And one of the, I think one of the most exciting projects that uh, David is leading is this new encyclopedia of Seventh-day Adventism. So this is a major new uh, thrust uh, historiographically in the the Seventh-day Adventist church. So I'm excited to to have him here. Uh, I could give a long list of his academic qualifications. I think I have almost a like half a bookshelf of, of publications that have your name somewhere on there, uh, Dr. Trim. And uh, and then we also have uh, Dragoslava Santrak, who is the uh, managing editor of the encyclopedia. And uh, she also comes eminently qualified. She has a doctoral degree. And uh, I have gotten to know her working on various encyclopedia articles over the last couple of years and have grown to deeply admire her personal touch and making sure and striving always for excellence. So in addition to her own personal scholarship and creating a tool a resource for the church. So she's kind of the point person, I think, on the project. And so again, both of them have quite a long list of publications and are very well qualified as as scholars. And here they are uh, collaborating two key individuals and leading this new encyclopedia project, which we have a chance to Engage with them and hopefully our listeners can learn a little bit more about so that they can uh, grow to appreciate uh, probably one of the probably one of the most significant uh, historiographical um, projects for advancing Aventa studies uh, in quite some time. So welcome, David and Dragoslava. Thank you very much for having us. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you each of you have your own academic interests and pursuits. Um, I know, David, for example, you've done a lot of work in military history and in the early modern period and stuff like that, and obviously teaching. But um, I'd like to start with you and then Dragoslava. Tell us a little bit about your own personal journey in becoming interested in Aventus history, Aventus studies, Um, obviously Uh, With your backgrounds, you have many different uh, qualifications and interests, but tell us how you ended up going into this this field. Um, Tell us a little bit about your own journey.
1: Well, I'm an historian um, and knew from a a fairly young age that I wanted to be an historian. Um, And naturally, I'm therefore interested in the history of my church. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm interested in history, so I'm interested in the history of the Adventist church, Um, I wasn't initially interested in it professionally, uh, but I always was interested in it even from being a teenager and reading about Adventist history um, and read moderately widely as a teenager and then uh, when I was a student at Newbold College in England. Um, Professionally, my interest was in the early modern period, that's the 16th and 17th centuries, Um, but I was appointed to teach at my alma mater, Newbold College. And it's a small college, and so one teaches outside of one's area. And so I I was not actually the scheduled teacher for the Adventist history course. That was a, a colleague, but uh, I was asked to become involved. And so I several times... Um, would, I mean, I would regularly do guest lectures for that class each semester, um, and also what just after I joined the faculty at Newbold, it was the 125th anniversary of J.N. And Andrews' arrival in um, in Europe as the first official Adventist missionary. So it was the effectively the 125th anniversary of the church in Europe. So I organized a, a major conference. It gave rise to three separate volumes of proceedings. Um, and that was looking at Adventist history in all the wider context of European history relating to religious minorities. But obviously, there were quite a lot of papers involved in Adventist history there. And one of the three volumes, which I co-edited with Daniel Heinz, who's at Friedensau Adventist University in Germany, was on Adventist history. So I, all, I had this interest in Adventist history. It became something, a, a minor sort of secondary field in my professional academic interests. Uh, And then I was appointed to be director of archives, statistics and research for the World Church. And obviously, it then became my, for the last 12 years, my primary uh, field with early modern, still something I'm interested in and write on. But now that's become the secondary interest.
3: Interesting. And a uh, fascinating story, you know, I think that's a part of all of our journeys, that things ebb and flow and change uh, with, yeah. with the contours of life, and, and Dragoslava, I'm trying to remember, I, I, I recollection is Old Testament as your field, right, uh, Northwest yes. University in the UK, yeah. is that, do I, do I remember that correctly?
2: That's, that's right, and unlike David, I, I, uh, I'm not a historian, at least not professionally, uh, But I joined the ESDA project as an editor, as someone who has been doing uh, editorial work uh, uh, most of my professional life, in addition to uh, teaching Old Testament. And uh, prior to coming to uh, ASTR and assuming this role of managing editor of the encyclopedia, I was helping the General Conference Biblical Research Institute As associate editor of the Seventh day Adventist International Biblical uh, Theological Dictionary. And uh, in the past, as I mentioned, I also was working uh, um, on various uh, projects as an editor. But um, I have to say that it's very hard to be a passionate Seventh day Adventist and uh, not be interested in the history of your church. And I had this honor and privilege to work with my husband in four different world divisions of our church, in uh, TD and EUD and uh, Inter-American Division and North American Division. So just seeing our church globally mm. and uh, knowing so many of our people, it makes you wonder and thirst for knowing more about your church you serve. And, you and perhaps... Perhaps um, you could just
1: add, Dragoslava, what TED and EUD stand for, since not all of our listeners are aware of church jargon.
2: Yes, yes. Both of these world divisions are in Europe, the trans-European division and the inter-European division covering different European countries. Uh, But all these countries and territories have different uh, cultures, have different Adventist Mm. cultures. And, uh, and uh, getting to know all of this and all of them and to serve, it really made me passionate about knowing more about the roots of our church and also sharing that knowledge with others. I think it's really important for us as a church to know our roots, to know our history so we can move forward confidently yeah, yeah. and uh, faithfully. And I, as I
3: recall, I, I, I'm trying to remember on your... Um, my biography or whatever, but I think Trinidad, right? Trinidad, the college, South Caribbean, yes. and then Belgrade. Yes, the, the, the
2: University mm-hmm. of Southern Caribbean, oh. yes. I started first teaching at Belgrade Theological Seminary, and then my husband and I, we taught for over five years at the University of Southern Caribbean. And, of course, we served other schools in the, in that division, Especially for the master's program, and then uh, moving to the United States, we taught at Washington Adventist University. Yeah.
3: So you guys are just yes. both of you are dyed-in-the-wool academics, your scholars who love <laughs> using your craft to benefit the church. Yeah. So let's talk about the encyclopedia. You know, what is the encyclopedia for someone that's listening, tuning in for the first time? Say, you know, I really like Adventist history, and and uh, but I, I don't know anything about it. Just give us that elevator pitch. Um, what is the encyclopedia? And describe a little bit about each of your roles in the project.
1: All right. So the Encyclopedia of Seventh-day Adventists is a new encyclopedia on Adventist, particularly Adventist history, though also the Adventist presence, present to some extent. Um, quite a number of listeners will be aware of the old Seventh-day Adventist encyclopedia. It came out in 1966. There was a revised edition in 1976 and a second revised edition, in other words, the third edition in 1996, but it hasn't been updated since then, since when the church has changed dramatically. And also what happened in 1976 and 96 was chiefly that new articles were added. There was almost no revision of any existing articles, which means all the articles written in the early 60s still bear the stamp of that hallmark, of, of, of that era. They still bear the stamp of that era which is a radically different era to today. I mean, it, 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 at the time, the church was still reflecting the old era of imperialism and, and empires, uh, and we could talk more about how that was so. Um, and it, the old encyclopedia was written, the articles were written almost entirely by one team based at the world headquarters of the church in Washington, D.C., uh, almost all Americans, one British man as well, um, so it really reflected a Western point of view. Now, other cultural points of view were um, reflected in 1976 and even more in 1996, but um, the encyclopedia still really reflected an era that was gone, uh, uh, a period that is, is firmly in the past, both for the world at large and for the church. And so um, in at the end of 2014, the GC officers wanted to update the encyclopedia and also the biblical dictionary, both of which were part of the Adventist commentary reference series. Um, And so they decided that the encyclopedia was mostly about history, so they would entrust it rather and task it to the Office of Archives, Statistics and Research, whereas the biblical dictionary was chiefly, obviously, biblical, so they'd assign it to the Biblical Research Institute. But when they asked us to do that, um, we looked at it and said, because of the, the way that the encyclopedia has dated and because of the way the church has grown, which means that almost as many new articles on church organizational units and institutions would have to be written to cover those organized or founded since 1996 as the total that was written back in 1966, we felt that really the, what's needed is a new encyclopedia, not just a fourth edition but a new encyclopedia, which is why the title is different. It's the Encyclopedia of Seventh-day Adventists as opposed to the Seventh-day Adventist Encyclopedia. And so we call it the ESDA for short, Encyclopedia of Seventh-day Adventists. And it is an attempt to accurately, um, truthfully, but faith-affirmingly relate the history of the church and its uh, its organizational units, its institutions, its ministries, and above all, its people Um, in a way that reflects the 21st century, that reflects the dramatic changes in Adventist historiography in the 1990s in particular, uh, and also that reflects the world church as it is today, not the way that it was 60 years ago. And I'm, I'm seeing Michael asked about our roles in the project. I'm the, the editor of the encyclopedia. And as Michael mentioned, Dr. Santrak is the managing editor.
3: Dragoslava, so um, t- tell us about your role. I-, I know David works in many hats. You have a lot of responsibility. So part of what is amazing is you have a great team that helps to make this happen. That's and right. Dragoslava, tell us about it.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so um, if I just may add that um, what the church realized it needed was an online encyclopedia yes. mm. in this digital age capable of interactive engagement by, by visitors. And, and that's one of the strengths of this encyclopedia. Now, now about my role, um, I cannot speak about my role apart from the entire as the team. Uh, we have this privilege to work with uh, around uh, 55 editors, uh, which we call consultant and regional editors from around the world. And uh, my role basically is to coordinate and manage the work of, of our editors worldwide, uh, uh, provide uh, uh, along with Dr. David Trim, uh, counsel and guidance on the article production. And once the articles uh, uh, are completed and the local fields are uh, happy with them and approve them, they uh, send those to to me, to the ASDA main office and that's where our process of additional peer review and editing starts. And of course we have a team of copy editors and we have a website team uh, uh, whose work uh, I also coordinate. And um, it's been such a huge privilege working with these wonderful people. Currently we have over 1,500 authors Mm -hmm. worldwide. And so we are one big family, one, uh, I would like to say, united team who works for for this encyclopedia and and hopefully for the benefit of all the readers Mm -hmm. and and the church worldwide. uh,
1: We have a very small team and a very large team. At the world headquarters, we have a very small team. It's managed out of there, but we only have a very small team. Where the very large team is, is spread around the world. And so Dragoslava's role... Is especially to manage that very large team which she does very capably if i may say so and and i might just
3: add too to what what you just said that uh, it strikes me uh, dragoslava you're kind of like the glue that holds this whole project together <laughs> so when i there's some issue or problem or whatever you know uh you're the one that's oh this is the person that that needs to needs to connect to to resolve whatever you know and so i i just love that about you and just want to say personally thank you for actually to both of you, uh, but especially to, to Dragoslava because I, I know you're really on the front lines just kind of keeping this whole project together.
2: Yes, and Michael, if I just may briefly add, I, I would like to say, and and this is our motto that we adopted unofficially, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says yeah. the Lord. So it is truly the spirit of God that that uh, bind us together. And I would like to to uh, also say that we are a praying yes, team. Yeah. We, we pray together although we are worldwide and in different time zones we do pray together and that means a lot and I believe that's the the strength that drives this this project forward
0: nice I, I, I gotta say guys I appreciate the work that you guys are putting into this it's it's a massive undertaking um, and I know yes part of my own part of my own background and story is, uh, my my earliest interest in Adventist history, and I would even say biblical archaeology, came from those early editions of the the Bible Dictionary and the Adventist Encyclopedia. I mean, that, that's what I had access to, and it, it kicked me off in a lot of ways. Knowing that you're an unusual young person reading the encyclopedia, I right? know, and I get made fun of a lot in my friend circles. My wife and looks at me and says, "You're still that. Why why do you, why do you talk in the past tense?" Um, re- realistically, when you're looking at the the complexity of this kind of a project, um, in, ma- in my mind, what I hear is we're taking the Adventist encyclopedia and we are, we are pushing it into the digital age. It is online. It is no longer this bound volume in some library or back room of the church. What kind of complexities are you running into that really either frustrate you or just challenge you to think outside of you know, the traditional publishing boxes, um, but also in, in, in terms of how do, how do we make this information as, as appealing and as, you know, accessible to people as possible? What kind of challenges are you running into on that? So the, the
1: challenges and the complexities are partly just how many different moving parts there are. Um, you know, firstly, there's so many articles, there's uh, more than 7,000 articles, at uh, various stages, we talked about having even more, but we've become a little a little more realistic. <laughs> um, and actually, in effect, um, that number will just keep growing because people die, people's role in Adventist history becomes more apparent, and so people who didn't seem so important we recognized are deserving of articles. New organizational units are established, new institutions are founded, new ministries are set up. So actually, the number will only grow. Um, but so firstly, there's, the, there's just the sheer number of articles. Um, secondly, there's the need for um, every article to be commissioned, and then every article has to be written, then every article has to be peer-reviewed, then every article has to be copy-edited, and then it has to be posted online. And then for some of them, there's responses from, uh, from, from readers who have suggested corrections or additions. So that's a huge amount of work. But also, you know, we adopted, as I mentioned, uh, we were um, sort of the opposite of the first encyclopedia team where everything was centralized at the church headquarters. We have a very small team working on the encyclopedia at the church headquarters. What we have are a large number of what we call assistant editors, most of whom are regional editors. That is, they're responsible for a region of of the world. Um, Generally, one of the church's divisions but there are a couple of divisions that have been split in two for various reasons because of their size or geographical complex or geocultural complexity Um, so we have to work with all those assistant editors we have to help them as they encounter problems and difficulties Um, so it's just there's so many different moving pieces um, and trying to build support from the world church, which um, naively, I thought we could just count on. And I say naively, because even by 2015, when I'd been in my office for five years, I should have realized that one has to really build that. If I was starting out on it now, I'd do it in a different way. Um, but I'd also ask for a whole lot more money, and maybe they wouldn't commission it now. Um <laughs> if one was realistic about what, what it would entail as it is, the church has already put in a lot of financial resources, but, um, we had been hoping to be finished by now and we're actually only half just over halfway finished. Um, and so the, the need to build support, if you were to ask any church leader, any union president, they've heard about as to now every annual council, or almost every annual council since 2015, And they would all say, I'm sure, oh yes, we support it. But what is needed is more than a theoretical nominal support. It's this kind of support that says, yes, we're going to encourage our church employees to write for the encyclopedia. And if need be, we're going to assign that as part of their duty so they have the time to do it. Trying to build that kind of um, support at the division level, at the union level, at the level of the local conference or mission, and at institutions, that requires a huge amount of work, and I'd say it's only in the last couple of years, really, that we've we've really been getting that wholly concerted team effort of the world church. And there are still parts of the world church that where the support really is just nominal, and saying, "Oh, yes, we support it," but they're not really doing anything practical to support it. So those are the some of the challenges and complexities, and some of the frustrations.
2: Mm. And and uh, for me personally. Um, we we do insist, and, and I believe we'll continue to insist until the end, on having local mm. authors write about the history of their territories. Uh, as I mentioned, currently we have over uh, 1,500 authors, and the numbers are rising. Now you can imagine the challenge coming from the variety of authors, different writing styles, different understanding of research, uh, uh, the methods and and the uh, and, uh, related things. And honestly, my personal fear has always been, will our audience uh, appreciate what we are trying to do? This diversity that we try, this uh, uh, local flavors that we uh, are trying to bring with the encyclopedia. Uh, Will our readers appreciate that and perhaps forgive us for some shortcomings they may see, especially from a Western perspective on how uh, historical articles are written or should be written? Uh, But um, yes, my my, my biggest fear is uh, whether the the audience will learn to appreciate uh, this this, uh, plurality, of voices we have in the encyclopedia, the way we learn to appreciate yeah. it. Uh, I, I hope that transmits. I, I, I hope so, word.
0: because honestly, to me, there's a sense of, of uh, not just authenticity, but there's a sense of, of community that comes through knowing. If I'm reading an article about the history of, you know, this church in Uganda, it's written by people on the ground who perhaps knew the people that are in yeah. the article, you know, or whatever. Like I would say that as, as time goes on, the value of the encyclopedia should grow with that knowledge. Um, and that should be one of the major highlights. You know, if I, if I had to sum it up, what I hear you saying and correct me if I'm wrong, this is a curated Wikipedia style endeavor.
1: Uh, Uh. no, we, we don't like, we don't like that analogy because obviously Wikipedia, there's no quality assurance. I mean, there's, there's crowd control as it were there's but you know the wisdom of crowds is a very fickle thing and is very patchy um, and you you know anyone who's used wikipedia a lot knows that there are some articles that clearly have been edited by um by people and they're very accurate. Mm-hmm. And there are others that represent, especially for certain countries that represent deeply biased, even without being an expert, you know, if you're an historian, you can tell this is a deeply biased source and nobody has bothered to edit it. And then of course, famously, there are some Wikipedia articles that engage in which people engage in editing wars to try and make it reflect one side or another. So we don't like the, uh, I would reject the the comparison with Wikipedia. Um, uh, because of that lack of quality assurance.
2: Yes, I totally agree.
1: Whereas we have, not only do we have local experts as editors, um, but we do have peer reviewing, and then we also have a church editorial process that, for certain articles of on certain subjects, church leaders also review them to to make sure that they're not uh, destructive when it comes to the to the church. Yes. We we want just to be clear every article has to be truthful and factual and we're not hiding things and i could give you examples of of things that we've addressed that uh, that some might wish we had kept quiet but i mean it's it it so it's not a matter of of censoring things and leaving things out but it's a matter of how you write about things you can do things you can write about things in a deliberately c- critical destructive way or you can write about them in a faith affirming way and so we want to be and I think we are being truthful and accurate and factual but at the same time we're also being faith affirming or at least not um faith not not solvent of faith I'll give a, just a quick
3: example you know uh wikipedia uh, the article in william miller some years ago it had william miller becoming a mormon and so then i changed it back and then the next day william miller was a mormon again <laughs> And then I changed it back again. Third time, he became a Mormon yet again. And this wow. time I went and found the tract against Mormonism and some articles against Mormonism just to kind of put that in there and alert the editors that there's some kind of weird thing going on here. Yeah. Um, no effect. To some overly zealous you know, uh, person that was out there it obviously doesn't reflect. Uh, I have many good friends that are, are uh, Latter-day Saint uh, scholars. but. But here you have a, just a good example of that. and But, but I think what uh, Greg is getting after is, I mean, I just put out an encyclopedia article on on William Hyde, who had this uh, hymn that he wrote. Yeah. And uh, you know I, I really worked hard on that. I had written the article on that for the Ellen White Encyclopedia. So I, I just was re-going through the research, put it out there, and then someone found the tune. And even though here I had thought I'd done all this work, yeah. Uh, to try to, to get the best sources, uh, someone alerts me and says, "Hey, you missed something. Here's something extra that someone has found. I was able to add that in, give proper credit to that individual, and uh, and I think that dynamic process is what makes this really quite amazing because it doesn't have to be static. If if yes. there's good information, those articles can be updated. You don't have to print ten volumes to right." <laughs> and, and
1: we've done that. We have updated. Uh, we've already made corrections. Sometimes the corrections are minor. They're a misplaced comma or semicolon. Other times the corrections are more substantial. Other times it's additions. Um, you know, think other things that people say, well, perhaps this is significant in the person's life. So we've already edited more. I mean, I don't think, Slava, that you have a, a count. I don't think we could say how many articles. I
2: stopped counting, yes. Yeah. But interestingly, that Michael mentioned his uh, article on Hyde, uh, we published it. And then after maybe 10 days, we uh, update it with new information. So that's the beauty of the online encyclopedia.
1: And that one's a good example because it shows people Mm were reading the article. Obviously, we don't know how many people are are reading. We know how many visitors we get to the website, and that number has been increasing. It was around 24,000 12 months ago, and now it's up to nearly 40,000. So that's satisfying that the numbers are going up. Um, for, but we'd for, still like more for people per month. Or David, let uh, give us that perspective. Per, per month, month. Okay. you know, we'd like we'd like more people to be using it. But you know, coming back to um, the peer review issue, we could have more articles if we didn't have the peer review, because sometimes oh, yes. the the publication of articles gets delayed because people are struggling to find peer reviewers. And indeed, if any of the your people listening are thinking, "Well, I don't want to write an article," but if you have any scholarly expertise. We're looking for volunteers to do the peer reviewing. Um, And also there are authors, you know, many of our authors, um, because there's so many of them, and because we're using local people, many of them have not written in an academic or scholarly way before. And so they're not accustomed to having a peer reviewer say, maybe you could improve this, that, or maybe there's a problem here. So there are some articles that get submitted, and the author just feels, oh, I'm done with it. And then they get back the... uh, the the feedback from the peer reviewers and it takes them a while to respond so we we could have a significant number of more articles but we've held firm on the need for peer review um in our initial editorial meetings and we we had a a meeting of all the editorial team uh, every january for the in person for the first five years of the project and then after it was published we've continued to meet via zoom Uh, And in fact, our last in-person meeting was just before the pandemic anyway. So we'd have had to have shifted to Zoom regardless. But we decided to do that um, in any case. Um, But, you know, this was something we debated at our annual editorial meetings. But we all agreed in the end, you've got to hold firm on peer review because that's what is the guarantee of quality
0: and i think i think that's like you said the the biggest reason wikipedia is a bad example here because if you don't have quality you just got everybody's opinion and it's all just across the board there's no professionals there's no there's no knowledge right. it's it's, yes. it's whatever you want and i think that's great yeah. i think you here. Does, how exactly I, I heard you mention that that this there's an end point you know that some at some point you'll be finished but at the same time i hear there's updates and and, and there's people yeah. saying oh hey wait this is this needs to be added Are you ever really done or is there someone going to be in the background like moderating this as it goes?
1: It's a good question. No, the project and and I try not to dwell on this because it's if you think about it in a certain way, it's just discouraging. The project will never be finished. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, we had hoped that by the the time we launched the website, we would have all of the original articles that we'd commissioned done. And gradually that became apparent that that wasn't going to happen. but that's part of the beauty of, of, of launching online. You know, If you look at the LNG White Encyclopedia, which Michael was a, uh, an important contributor to an important part of that process, it took a while because they had to wait for everything to come in. We didn't have to wait for every article to be finished. We were able to launch the website as we said we would on July 1st, 2020. Um, with the articles that we had which was still 2500 I mean it was not a small it was not a small number um, and we've continued to add as we've continued to add new articles as well as doing the updating and revising work that we, we were just talking about um, the the thing is nobody is in the encyclopedia who is still alive you have to be dead to have a biography <laughs> and there are reasons for that Um But, you know, one of the examples I used to give when I would talk to people about the encyclopedia, say, five years ago, is to say, well, if former GC president um, Robert Falkenberg were to die, we would have to add an article on him. If Desmond Ford, the famous or infamous theological controversialist, was to die, we'd have to have an article on him. Well, as it happens, both have died. Um, Both have died, and we have had to add articles on them, both of which are still in the process of being written. Um, and so that will happen. People will pass away. I won't suggest any others in case I jinx them. Um, we, don't want to, we don't want people to, to, to think that we're, we're, we're pushing people uh, across the, the line so that we can write biographies on them. Um, people will pass away. And as I say, what also has happened is that people say, you know what? I think this person or this couple because we do have articles on couples as well as on individuals. We have articles on married couples where their ministry was really something that they performed together. And that's been one way of increasing the number of women in the encyclopedia. Um, People will say this person or this couple are actually more significant than we'd realized before because people have done research. And that's one of the beauties of the project. Having launched, people are now saying, you know what, I'm I'm interested in Adventist history. I'm going to do research on this person who I was interested in. And you know what? I have discovered that they are significant and I think they deserve an ESDA article. And so we regularly receive proposals for new articles. Um, we don't approve all of them, but and quite a number of them have been approved and indeed articles have been written. So, and at the same time, new conferences, missions, unions are being organized, new institutions are being founded and we have articles on all on all conferences, missions, unions, divisions, um, on all colleges and hospitals, uh, not on all secondary schools, only on a few, because otherwise it would become impossible. Um, but, you know, as new as these new organizational units are established or new institutions are founded, they too get new articles. So our hope is um, to get up to five or 6,000 articles, at which point we still won't be... Finished as it were, the original list, but it will be something that thereafter can just be managed on an ongoing basis. Um, and so, but it will never end; it will continue until the Lord comes, and who knows, perhaps beyond, perhaps in the the heavenly realm, will will access uh, <laughs> an even an even more comprehensive and celestial encyclopedia of Seventh Day Adventists. But certainly, the work will will need to go on. But our hope is that in another two or three years time it can become the 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 steady stream of new articles will become just more of a a trickle as as some of the the holdouts, the articles we've found it hard to get authors for, gradually come in and as people die or as become, you know, as new articles get added. But it will go on.
2: Perhaps for the sake of our listeners who are new to the encyclopedia, uh, I would like to say that the encyclopedia can be accessed freely at encyclopedia.adventist.org. And uh, currently it has nearly 4,000 articles and uh, more than 11,000 uh, images. So encyclopedia.adventist.org. Uh, Yes. I We've love been it, talking right? about was... the encyclopedia, and I wonder maybe people will say, Go, oh, where is that encyclopedia? I want to go and check it. So here it is. It's
3: like you read my mind. I was just about to ask oh. you that. So I love it. And uh, it, it, it truly is a great resource. And by the way, if we have anybody that teaches Adventist history, this is yes. also a great resource. When I was at Southwestern teaching there, I would have my students do uh, mission projects yes. and on missionaries. And, uh, and they could either do one of two things. They could either research a missionary, give a presentation, and almost inevitably they'd use the Encyclopedia. But I would give bonus. them bonus points mm-hmm. if they would actually do the extra work and find a missionary who's not mentioned in an <laughs> Encyclopedia. And there's a couple articles, I think, Dragoslav, that should be coming in the pipeline uh, from some Excellent. students at Southwestern yet. I, I think they're still working on some Real. revisions. But I just want to encourage those that are teaching Adventist history, this can be a tool and even a way to engage your students to potentially uh, contribute to the project and get maybe uh, an article published. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about the encyclopedia and stuff like that, but I mean, you guys have told us a little bit about your own story. Uh, just for a moment, has there been something, obviously you ha- have a wide swath of Adventist history and interest, and uh, but but is there something that, you know an article came through and you're just like i had no idea that's amazing some new historical discovery that surprised you or that um maybe uh, challenged you in some good way i just kind of curious because th- that's a lot of articles now and um i'm just curious if anything uh kind of struck you that uh you you found that really stood out and 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 that you found helpful
2: Yes, I mean, every article uh, has a unique, motivating, inspiring story. But Mm -hmm. just to be brief, uh, what I found very surprising and uh, at least uh, in my knowledge, maybe underappreciated, uh, is the work of Adventist women in Adventist mission throughout history. And just to mention three names, because we have three wonderful articles on these three excellent women. Thelma mm-hmm. Smith, who was a missionary in China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong for more than 40 years. Then Erna Kluger, who was a missionary in Egypt and North Africa for 60 years. And then Valme Dan, a missionary in in South Pacific. What these three women have in common is that all three of them came to the mission fields with their husbands who died very early in their mission work, within a year or two. And uh, all three of them at different parts of the world, different historical periods, were asked by the church, or encouraged, I would say, by the church to return to their home. Of course, they were grieving. They are women, they are alone. Some of them had young children, but all three of them said, no, we are staying in the mission field. And as I mentioned, they labored in the Lord's work, for decades, 40, 60 years, learning the language and really devoting their lives to to the mission work. And just reading the stories about these extraordinary women, I've never heard about them before, But it really inspired me, and and I want to see more stories uh, like this in the encyclopedia and for our church members and the world to know about the contributions of these remarkable women. So that's something that I learned to appreciate and and was inspired by.
1: Yeah, I I would find it difficult to single any out because there's been so many that I have found inspiring, frankly not just biographies but the institutional biographies as it were the studies of, of of mission institutions particularly and just seeing the way that god led in them um, has been it's just regularly inspiring but one of the things that i've enjoyed is reading articles about the church in africa in particular and europe um i'm from the trans-european division i'm from britain britain especially but Other countries in the trans-European division, especially Scandinavia, were particularly involved in mission to East and West Africa. And the histories I've always read of the church in Nigeria, Ghana, uh, Kenya, say, have always emphasized the missionaries. And now we're getting articles that aren't being written by Westerners. The The histories I read were always written by Westerners, and so they focused on missionaries. Now, it's not the case that local people don't want to recognize missionaries. Far from it. They, they yeah. are very, they're very keen to credit the missionaries. But, you know, the missionaries could only go so far because there were only so many of them. What was necessary for the church to grow was for indigenous evangelists, coal porters, teachers to take the message and make it theirs and spread it. And that's what's happened. And that's the sense that we're now getting from the articles, on, I particularly think of articles on West Africa because we're further, for various reasons, we're further along with West Africa than we are with other parts of Africa. But the church of, you know, the history of the church in, in in West Central Africa, um, is now really being significantly recast because it includes not only the missionaries but also the indigenous leaders and indigenous workers. Who heard from the missionaries and then took it on and i think that's i, I find that very satisfying because it's it, it vindicates our decision to try and find local editors and local authors um, and it's giving us a really different history than we had before when it was written solely by Westerners.
0: yeah i think that's great i love i love the 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 view here is that you know without a western sense of here's where we started with the missionaries the story of the church didn't stop there and the mission itself has yes. kept on going. There's still the history being told. The story has kept on. I, I love that the encyclopedia can enable the present story as much as the past story. And I think that's that's a fantastic element you guys have here. Um, that's that's the the value I think of this encyclopedia and the way that you're going about updating it. Um, rigorous peer review, but openness to a continued narrative. Uh, that's great.
3: But one more thing I want to highlight is not only looking at the previous editions of the encyclopedia as a new creature, but one thing that I really, really love that stands out are all the photographs. Oh yeah photographs tell stories, and I'm not sure if there is audio on there yet or not. But there, it seems to me that there's the capability for right. uh, some some audiovisual elements, kind of thing. But just to see not only a an article, but here is a picture. It seems like a picture is, you know, what is it? Uh, a picture is worth uh, a, thousand, a thousand thousand
2: words. words yes
3: <laughs> and and I just I just love that. Sometimes I just love looking
1: at the photographs. Absolutely, Michael. And the photographs are one of the things we're proudest of. And actually, that's been perhaps one of the things that surprised us the most, because while we have four thousand articles, we have eleven thousand photographs. Oh wow. And you know most there's a certain number of Adventist photographs that everybody's seen. There's about 100 or maybe 200 of them. Standard photos of Ellen James White, Jane Andrews, Uriah Smith, AG Daniels. Um, you know it's they they get used whenever there's an Adventist history article in a church paper. We all know them. Um just the fact that we've got eleven thousand is telling you that most of them are unknown, and most of them are new. And for the biographies, they very often come from family members, and they've never been seen by anyone outside the families before. And they're coming from wow. institutional um, collections. The institutional photos are coming from the institution, and indeed, it's prompted them to go to go into their. I won't say archives, because lots of institutions don't have an archive, really. What they have, though, is a basement or a cellar or an attic where the things have been put. And they've gone through them and they've found these remarkable photographs from from early days. Um, I guess, with hindsight, it's understandable that we've got so many more photographs than articles, because we have a very simple process for uploading photographs, whereas it's a complicated thing to write an article and have it peer reviewed and, and go through the publication process. But still, I mean, it was a pleasant surprise to us how enthusiastic people have been in submitting photographs. And again, most of them are going to be completely fresh and new. We also have some video. We have some historic video. And one of the things that we plan to do is to add more video and audio because you're absolutely right, Michael, there's the capacity for that. And so even though we may not have video of say, J. Lamar McElhaney, the GC president from 36 to 50, we have got audio of him and you can hear what he sounds like. Um, so that will be something, once we've got more articles up, then comes the the matter of, of the value-added component, which is part of having it on the internet. Part of the value of having it on the internet is not just that you can have constant revision and updating, but that you can have a value-added component, which is the photographs, For a print encyclopedia you would be only be able to have one photograph for any article and it would be small. Here you can look at the photograph as large as you want to on your browser and you can have as many as you want and also you can have audio and video. We've already got some digitized Adventist movies, for example, um, one that we showed at GC Session. was of Leo and Jesse Halliwell, the famous pioneer missionaries to the Amazon, yes. handing over to their successor when they finally retired after, I think, 17 years of going up and down the Amazon, treating tens of thousands of uh, Brazilian indigenous people. Um, and we're going to add more of those digitized movies. We're going to add more digitized audio. So, um, yeah, we're particularly proud of, of, of the photographs and we have that capacity to add more video and audio and we will do that.
2: Yes, and on each article page there is a section uh, called related content and for a number of articles we've been able to upload uh, uh, useful materials such as PDF books, uh, scanned letters and other documents that may interest people and who want to to research more. but yes the the capacity is there and we've been working on it
1: and in a couple of cases people have written have done amazing research and have written an article that is much longer than than is appropriate yes. for, for the person so what we've done is say well boil this down because we don't we don't want an article of 50,000 words on a relatively minor figure when we've only got say 5,000 words on a significant gc president there has to be some kind of comparability And that was one of the problems of the old encyclopedia. You had a short paragraph on A.G. Daniels and W.H. Spicer and several pages on Hazen Foss. Now, who's Hazen Foss? Why does he matter? He was the person who received a call to be a prophet before Ellen White and turned it down. So he's chiefly remarkable for doing nothing. And yet there's an article there of a couple of pages when there's almost nothing on Two of the most significant figures in Adventist history. Any anyway, rate, what we do with the rela- in, in a couple of places with the related content, where somebody has written a much longer paper that's heavily footnoted, we say put it there. Do a short version of the article for the encyclopedia, but we can make the full long version available on the related content, and we've done that. So that's another example of the value-added aspect. Love it. Well, not only,
3: uh, Dragoslav, have you mentioned the website? So encyclopedia.aventus.org just got to kind of throw that back out there. But someone Thank may you. be listening. And I know, uh, David, you said peer review, but maybe someone's saying, you know, I actually really am very interested. I did a term paper in college on such and such a person or whatever. And, and I would love to actually just kind of contribute or work on an article. Uh, what would be a next step uh, for someone to kind of reach out?
1: We would love them to reach out, and we would like people like that to 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 volunteer. Um, we'd love people to write as well as people to to peer review and people with historic photos to send those to us. You can email, and the email address is Encyclopedia at gc.adventist.org. So the email again is Encyclopedia at gc.adventist.org, um, and we welcome we welcome hearing from people who would like to contribute.
3: Sure, and what if the name's not on the list or something? Can they still suggest a name? Right. Yes. Here, guess, okay.
1: Yes,
2: we are open to, to new articles, to new research, and we have a, an editorial process for uh, reviewing the proposals and approving them, and um, uh, and if there is, of course, a merit, we are more than happy to to include it. And. Um, Connect the potential author with the appropriate editor who will then guide the person in the process. And also, uh, if somebody is listening and saying, Well, I cannot write, I'm not sure I can peer review, however, I know another language, a language other than English, and uh, I can translate articles for the encyclopedia, we've been very uh, happy that uh, uh, we started this process and we have nearly 400 articles in Portuguese on, on the website and uh, several tenths of articles in Spanish. We have a few articles in Russian and Korean. So we want to make the encyclopedia articles available to non-English uh, speaking readers and uh, we want them to be blessed. So yes, we need... Uh, qualified uh, people to help us translate the articles. So if that's where you can help, we are more than happy to hear from you.
1: Yeah, Brilliant. And Just in in case people are thinking, well, I'd like to write, but I I don't know if I could. We have guides, we have separate guides on how to write a biography, how to write about an institution, how to write about an organization, how to write about a ministry or a publication. Um, And what you said earlier, Michael, we would love to have more of students writing for publication. And so if you are teaching um, Adventist history and you would like to give your students the possibility of being published, again, email encyclopedia at gc.adventist.org. We can send you a digital pack of, say, 10 articles that need to be written and we don't guarantee that the students will be published, but we can say the best articles will be submitted and we'll look at them. And it may be that in the end, the students try to write an encyclopedia article and maybe none of them in the class succeed, but they'll all have written their term papers, they'll all have gotten a grade. But it may be that several of them will be good enough to make it. And that's already happened. We've already had a few teachers do this and students have come through and their articles have been accepted and there are articles on the website now that were written by students as their term papers for their class in Adventist history or Adventist Territory.
3: Well, I love it. Um, you know, one of the things I like to do is just kind of leave it open. You know, we've asked you guys some questions, but you've been working in this project. I can tell it's your passion and joy and what a, a blessing this is, both to scholarship and then to constructively help to tell the story of our church. And but I'd like to just leave it open at the end. Maybe there's something we didn't ask you, but you want to just kind of highlight before we wrap up our time.
2: Well, maybe I can say this. Please do visit encyclopedia.adventist.org. Um, we've heard back from people reading the articles and using them in their de- personal devotionals mm-hmm. in preaching Uh, Why not base a sermon on an ESDA story, on real stories and inspire your congregation and and show them how God cares for his people in more recent times? Uh, Of course, use the encyclopedia articles to research about your church and also tell other people about God's wonderful leading of of, of his church in these uh, last days. use the encyclopedia articles for children's stories and youth programs you'll be surprised how our young people are uh, excited to hear these stories and see these photographs and uh, realize the richness of the roots uh, our our church has and and to even uh, hear the names in their local language. You know, we all know about the 19th century pioneers, but to hear the names that are from modern time and and realize that maybe in my neighboring city, there was a missionary or or, or a person maybe even in my local church. It can uh, build the church together, tie the, the young and old together and maybe inspire them to start writing and researching the history of their local church. And that's something that Dr. Trim uh, can speak more about. This is something that we also would like to see Encyclopaedia do for the local people, where young people will interview the elders and uh, capture these stories that can be forgotten. Some of them probably will not be part of the encyclopedia, but they are the heritage of the local church and something that can inspire generations to come.
1: We would like to think that this would inspire an efflorescence of Adventist history in general. And I I know from, from when I taught at Newbold and worked with various local churches, to write the history of a local church is often an inspiring thing for that local congregation and it can really help them. But here's the one thing I'd like your listeners to take away, Michael, which is the word encyclopedia can be off-putting to some people because it sounds dry as dust, um, very factually heavy and and not very interesting. Um, As Slava has been saying, actually it's the opposite. This encyclopedia is factually rich, it's truthful and it's accurate, but it's also full of amazing stories. So people shouldn't be put off by that big word, encyclopedia. This is a resource for being inspired about the church.
3: Love it. Well, you know, it's it's a project that's going to continue to evolve and be a blessing. Uh, and I love to hear just a little inside scoop of the complexity of a project. I've, I've seen just a little bit of that, and and it's a great privilege. And uh, But I just want to thank you both again. And any of our... Uh, the Encyclopedia sub-editors, and various contributors who who might happen to tune in. Thank you for going above and beyond Mm. to help make this
1: an incredible, incredible resource for our church.
2: Thank you for having us, yes.
1: Yes, thank you for having us, Michael and Greg. It's been good to be on with you. Hey, it's a privilege.
3: You know, one of the things I love about this podcast is we were able to kind of take these deep dives and and take a look at various aspects of, of our Adventist past. So, Greg,
0: take it away. All right. No, thank you for uh, your chance to give us a little bit more of your own passion, your own experience. And listeners, also thank you for joining us again this month, looking for uh, just whatever nuggets we can find out there in Adventist history. That is the kind of stuff we want to bring to you folks. So get here next week, Uh, next month, actually, we've got a couple more plans for some directions to go. Um, We're going to kind of surprise you on a few of those, though. I don't want to preempt that too much, but thank you for listening with us. Have a great day.
2: Said that he did not come to do away with the law.
1: He will not take us out of this world if he does not want us to be contaminated by it.